Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy! Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. You're listening to a message from the Poimano, bringing you the very best from the vast teaching archive of healing evangelist, best-selling author, and megachurch pastor, Dag Heward Mills. Start your week off this Monday with a message from one of the most favoured passages from the Book of Psalms. Dag Heward Mills teaches on the blessing of God restoring the souls of his children. God, who is the greatest shepherd, leads and guides the sheep in ways of righteousness. Today's message is an encouragement that as long as you allow the Lord to be your shepherd, you shall never be in want. I'm sure you'll be blessed after today's wonderful word. Well, turn with me to Psalm 23. I am sharing about the I shall not want. Amen. Psalm number 23. Now, how many of you know Psalm 23 by heart? All right. Now, hold your hand at Psalm 23 and go to Psalm 84. Have you, have you got Psalm 23? Yeah, hold it there. Don't lose it. Now, jump to Psalm 84. And verse 10, it says, Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy court is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God, verse 11 of Psalm 84, Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a, a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Amen. The Lord is a what? A sun and a shield. The Lord will give what? Grace and glory. Amen. And no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Hallelujah. Well, the Bible is very clear on this, that God is a good God. God is not your enemy. Hallelujah. 
God is not fighting against you. God is not trying to keep things from you. God is not trying to prevent you from being happy. God is not trying to keep all the nice things away from you. He is a sun and a shield. In other words, God is someone who protects. He helps. He blesses. And he's, he's both the sun and the shield. That means that he's everything. He will protect you from the sun and at the same time he will give you sunshine. So if you need sun, he's the, the sun. And if you need protection from the sun or you need some shade, he will be the shade. He will be the sunshine. How many are glad to have God on your side? Alright. He will give grace and glory. Now grace means undeserved help. How many know that we don't deserve help? Only four of you know. But I want you to know that you do not deserve anything from God. You deserve to go to hell. And so do I. We all deserve to go to hell. That's what we, that's what we, that is our rightful place. For our existence on this earth, our rightful place is to go to hell. By the grace of God, we will not go to hell. We will go to heaven, not by our works, because our works would have sent us to hell. Our works, the Bible says, are like filthy rags before God. He doesn't like us at all in that we seize us through the blood of Jesus. Without the blood of Jesus, we would not be acceptable at all for even one minute. We cannot enter into the presence of God the way we are. Hallelujah. So, God is a sun and a shield. He will give grace. And that is, grace is help. Undeserved help. And glory. Glory is beauty. I see your life becoming beautiful. Oh, I see your life becoming very wonderful. God will give grace and glory. It's God who can make you beautiful. And God who can make your life glorious. And then the last thing he says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk in sin. Amen. That walk where? Uprightly. Hallelujah. So you see once again, there are conditions for what God wants to do. So let's jump back to Psalm 23. And we want to read from verse number 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall need a car i see god giving you cars in jesus name the lord is my shepherd i shall not need a husband god is giving you a husband amen i shall not want a wife god is going to provide for you a wife it seems it's as equally difficult to find a wife as it is to find a husband for those who have don't have wives it looks at a point becomes very difficult for them to find wives. So pray for all bachelors. That God would open their eyes and touch their lives. That they would receive a wife. Amen. I see God blessing all bachelors today. Especially. Amen the bachelors. <laughs> Alright. You keep on pretending. <laughs> Verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green, brown pastures, red pastures, dangerous pastures, green pastures. God gives you a green pasture and he makes you lie down, take a rest. We've talked about that, that the first place that the Lord brings you to is a place of green pasture, which is his word. If you are a sheep, 
then you must know that your food is green pasture. And what you desire most should be the green pasture. So the first thing you need to have in your life is green pasture, God's word. Without God's word, you will not do well. Even when you are blessed, you will not be able to enjoy it. You know, I, I, I've got a little book which writes about rich people and people who are successful and how their lives were and how their lives ended and how unhappy most of them were. You see, happiness is not in succeeding per se in what you are trying to accomplish or in having a lot of money. There's more to happiness and there's more to life than that particular thing. So I could read to you that whole list. I have a whole book on just that. You know, which just chronicles their experiences and what happened to these rich people and these so-called successful people whom we all would like to be like. But there is more to success than just having a lot of money. People who have a lot of money are not happy people, per se. Most of the rich people are not happy. Go and walk in East Legon. Go and walk at the airport residential area. There are many big houses with many nice cars. Many of the people in those houses are unhappy. Many of them are having all sorts of challenges and all sorts of problems. You know? Uh, it's, it's, it takes more than money. That's why the Bible says in Luke uh, chapter 12, verse 50, I believe, it says, a, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Your life does not consist in the things you have. The things you have per se are not going to make you happy. I know a place where lots of people commit suicide all the time, although they have everything. So just having things is not what's going to make you happy. One time I was preaching in one of our churches abroad and I, I, told, I asked the people, do you, have a, do you have a television? They said yes. I said, do you have a video? They said yes. I said, do you have a sound system? They said yes. What else? Do you have a radio? Yes. I said, now you've achieved your life's goal. Because many people in Ghana feel that to have arrived somewhere, you have a TV, video, and what else? Fridge and a fan. <laughs> if you got a fridge, you got a fan, you got a video and a television. I mean, these were things that look far impossible to get at a point in time. But now, it's quite common. I see you having your fridge and your television. Amen. So God is giving all the things that we thought were far away. They are all coming. Amen. Can I have an amen? amen? And now, I was asking, so now you've achieved what you want? You see, then you begin to, the devil, the devil will show you more things that you can have. And it goes on and on and you are never satisfied. That is why satisfaction does not come from having things. Amen. And you must have the word of God. And God's word is what I am preaching. God's word will give you a reason for being alive. A reason for life. Hallelujah. Now, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I explained to you that the water is also the word of God being preached. Amen. Now we are going on to verse 3. I shall not want. He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. 
Let us all say together, He restoreth my soul. Say it again. Say it one more time. Hallelujah. Now, what is your soul? Your soul is a part of you that we generally define as your mind, your will, your emotions. Hallelujah. And um, it is a very important part of you. Hallelujah. Now, when you are born again, your soul per se is not saved. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, please very quickly, don't be lazy to turn your Bible. You know, some people find it difficult to turn just from, uh, where, where were we before? Psalms. You wanted me to just move you to Proverbs, but I've taken you all the way to the New Testament so far. Don't be too lazy to turn your Bible. First Peter 1 verse 9, uh, verse 8, let's see. Who having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse 9. Receiving, everybody say receiving. receiving. The end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Now this scripture says, we as Christians are receiving, present continuous, the salvation of our souls. The, the soul is the mind and the will, the emotion, but those parts of us are not yet saved. And that is why you can have a Christian with the wrong kind of thinking, with the wrong mind. You can have Christians with emotions that are confused. You can have a Christian whose emotions will lead him or her to hell. Your feelings can take you to hell. Even though you are born again in your spirit, your mind is not yet saved. Your spirit, your soul, which is your mind, your will, is not yet saved. I remember a young man came to me once and he said, Pastor, I have a problem. I said, what is your problem? He said, my problem is fornication. I find it so difficult not to fornicate. I always need to do it. And this is a born-again Christian. And so I said to him, well, I'm going to show you one of my books. I wrote a book about that. And that book is going to help you. So he took the book, he read it, and I saw him some months later. And when I saw him, I said, brother, how is the problem? He said, it's much better, pastor. Pastor, it's gone. The problem is gone. Hallelujah. So even though he was saved, yet he did have a problem with fornication. So you can have a problem with fornication, you know, even though you are saved. You can do wrong things. You, your mind, your will. And this brother, had, this problem was more with his will. How to say no. Some people can't say no. Some people can't say yes. But God wants to strengthen you so that your will is a good will. And your will is what you will do, what you decide to say yes, to say no, to do the right thing is there. So God is working on our wills. The Bible says God is, is, is working on us to will and to do his good pleasure. 
That means you don't already will to do his will. He's working on your will so that you gradually get to the point where you will to do his will. Your will is to do his will. So he's working on that. That's why this verse in 1 Peter 1 verse 9 says, You are receiving the end of your faith, which is or even the salvation of your souls. So your souls are being saved now as we are going on, as you are in church, your soul is being worked on. Your soul is your thinking. Your soul is your spirit. Your, your, your soul is very near to your spirit. It's almost the same as your spirit. That's why sometimes you see them being used interchangeably. That's why they say that for the salvation of your souls. Sometimes you say, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and he lose his soul? Sometimes the soul is the, is the invisible part of the man. It's spoken of as though it is the part of a man that is invisible. But you see, there is a difference. That's why the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 4 and verse 12 that the word of God is quick and powerful, etc. A two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So there is a dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Even though the soul is very close to the spirit and the spirit is almost the same as the soul, there is a dividing asunder that differentiates them. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Tell the, ask the person next to you, do you understand what the man is saying? Do you understand what the man is saying? Alright, hallelujah. Now, after you are born again, your soul needs to be restored. And I'm showing you the process by which God takes you in order to bring you to a place of his greatest blessing. He brings you to, a, he first leads you to green pastures and he brings you by still waters. And what is the next thing? He restores your soul. He starts to work on your soul. He starts to work on your mind, your will, your emotions. There are a whole lot of sisters here today. You can listen to me preaching and watching my TV as well. You listen to the preaching and you believe in the word of God and you do all that. But let a man, an unbeliever, come to you. A real eligible bachelor come to you with a strong proposition and say, listen, I really love you. And I fell in love with you in February when I first came to this church. I've been watching you. You may not know, but I've been coming. And I want you to marry me. And you ask the person, are you born again? I don't know what it means, but I, I, I don't think I am. So, are you a member of this church? No. And the person presents himself very strongly. And then he goes on to explain that, you see, I have a green card. And I, I actually live in America. Chicago. This brother says Chicago. So, and I'm actually going to take you to Chicago. And I really love you. Then he kneels and says, I love you. Please marry me. Many of us here will bow. Many will flow. How many brothers think so? How many brothers think that many of the sisters will flow? Raise up your right hand. I mean, the guy is an unbeliever. How many brothers think? Put down. How many sisters think that some sisters will flow? Not you, but some, somebody else. Even though, even though 
They are, you know, somebody told me, somebody told me, when it, somebody said to me, he said, when it comes to matters of the heart, you cannot trust a woman. That's what he said. I don't know if it's true. I mean, you tell, you can tell your friend whether it's true or not. I'm just telling you what somebody, I'm not saying it. I'm telling you what somebody told me. Matters of the heart means that they may be so spiritual and they may look so powerful and judgeous and everything in the word of God. But when it comes to that area, that has to do with the heart. Whether they are in love and getting married and all those things, you can't trust them. He said they may sing in the choir. They may play instruments. They may sing whatever and do whatever. But when it comes to that area, you can't trust them. He told me. I don't know if it's true. You ask the person next to you whether it's true. But that's what he told me. Do you think it's true? Now, even though these are born again Christians, we have had Christians in our church church, who, who get married to Muslims. They've been in church with us for years, hearing us preaching for years and years. Tomorrow, do you realize that he's get, you're getting married to a, to, a, to a Muslim? Not that a Muslim is a bad person, but it's a different faith. And Muslims would not easily marry Christians. Careful. So, you realize that our hearts, still our souls, need working. Our minds, we have Christians in the church. They are born again and everything. But their minds are not thinking right thoughts. And God wants to work on your mind. Amen. Your mind needs polishing. Your mind needs correction. The ideas you came into the house of God with, are not necessarily correct. Some of you came to church with democracy in your mind. You came to church saying that, look, this is a, it's a democratic era. Everybody speak your mind. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think? So when you are having a Bible study, you have a Bible study, we call it bring your mind Bible study. Everybody brings his mind. Everybody brings his opinion. And it's not even what is being said, but it's what people say is being said. You come to the church thinking that the church should be run in a democratic way. So, where is the committee? And where is the board? And you come to a church and you look and you say, this bishop, he has too much power in the church. And then you start to quote certain things which sound very good. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. These are the verses you were using on Rawlings when he was there. Then you start to bring those minds to the church. And the church is not run by a democracy. It is run by what we call a theocracy. Theocracy is God ruling through a man. This church is not run democratically. And I want to go to a church which is run democratically. All right, all right. There are many churches that are run democratically. But our church is not run democratically. Because I don't believe that democracy is what is the... Democracy is the best form of government for human beings on this earth. But it is not the form of government for the church. It's the best form for nations like Ghana. 
but secular nations. But we are the kingdom of God. Amen. And we run things deep. So you come to church and... We are expecting to have uh, this year uh, many meetings or any board meetings so that we can actually understand what is going on with our offerings and our monies that we have been uh, donating to the church. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we are not going to have any board meetings. Now, some of you come to the church, you think, you have in your mind, well, uh, 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 tithes, it's not, right, it's not necessary to pay tithes or first and best or offerings. You get it? And you have that in your mind. And you need to grow up to learn. You don't know everything. That's why he, he first restores your soul. He restores your mind, your thinking. You need God's word to change your thinking. Well, we are giving too much money to the church these days. And even our church has not embarked on any um, rural electrification projects. Rural electrification projects. Now that's another thing. Some people feel that the church is, should get involved with rural electrification, uh, boreholes, providing water and providing electricity and providing health and so on. Brothers and sisters, that is not the job of the church. The, it is the job of the Ministry of Water and Sewage to provide water for this nation and not the duty of the church ghana water company that's what they call it now it is a duty of the electricity corporation of ghana to provide electricity the duty of vra to generate electricity is duty of ecg to distribute it and to give it to all of us they shouldn't come and bother us we are commissioned to preach the gospel to cast out devils to heal the sick and to do the work of God and plant churches. That's the work of the church. If you don't know, if you don't know, I am telling you, that is the primary work of a church. And you need to open your Bible and start reading. The fact that a hundred and thousand churches may be basically relief organizations or basically they are uh, uh, educational institutions, that doesn't mean that is the right thing. You have to restore your soul. You see, I, I'm, a, I'm a doctor. I came from the medical field. I'm a trained doctor. I, I went to school for seven years to become a medical doctor. I've worked in the Ministry of Health before. I know the duty of a doctor. And now I'm in a church. I know the duty of a church. And the church's duty is not to provide those, those facilities. But if we have the opportunity to help, then we do. That's, that's why our church has a school. And that's why our church is starting a clinic. But these are just minor. It's, not a, it's just a side thing. Our main focus, the main thing, is the main thing and it's still the main thing the main thing is the gospel nobody will do it have you ever seen uh, have you ever seen uh, the minister of uh, water and sewage or what do they call the man minister of works and houses have you ever seen him standing up in his when he's giving an address when he's inaugurating some boreholes uh, or he's inaugurating some uh, water pipe somewhere have you ever seen him standing up and saying um we we we, we wish to uh, encourage all of you to be born again because being born again is very important to have water consumption so that your character will be improved as you are taking the water you will not be wasting it have you heard have you heard them say that before do they help us to preach the gospel do they help us to have crusade do they help us to speak the truth then now they want the church to cross over and leave its primary job and do these other things and then you know, you, you know, they, you hear them as they talk, and they come and then they say, "We we want these new charismatic churches to be relevant to the society." 
and that uh, they can be more relevant to the society if they are getting involved in certain community projects, such as providing of hospitals and then uh, public toilets and schools and other things. You know something? The church is very relevant to the society. We are always teaching our people. We are preaching to our people. We are winning souls. We are teaching them to be honest, to be moral. We are preventing corruption in this country. You see how much money? The road to your house. How many don't have a road to your house? The road to your house is in somebody's bank. The road is in somebody's bank. They've stolen all the roads. They've stolen our electricity. They've stolen all those things. It's all corruption. Our cocoa, everything has been stolen. That's why we don't have roads to places. We don't have schools. No new university has been built. All the universities are in people's banks. That's why they have eight people in the room in the university today. So when we teach and we preach, so if you have somebody who is a moral, law-abiding Christian and that person becomes the minister of whatever, we have helped the nation by preventing the loss of billions Come on. of cities. That's right. Billions of cities. We preach and we, we teach people to honor the government. We prevent coup d'etats by preaching and teaching. That's right. We prevent people from going into uh, revolutions and all these kind of adventures which disturb countries. You think I shouldn't say it? I'll say it. Amen. We teach people morals. What is killing half of the population of South Africa and Zimbabwe and East Africa? HIV. People have sex. People don't like having sex with condoms. It's like bathing with a raincoat on. They, 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 that's how they feel. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. <laughs> listen, you can educate. It's good, it's good that we educate people. It's good that we educate people. But the realities are, what is going to prevent people from really doing those things are a certain higher authority, which is God controlling the people and leading them. Say, let's live like this. Let's live right. I tell people, do this, live or uh, do this. If it's not on, it's not in. And I mean, all these kind of things. Look, there are people, you give them a hundred dollars, they'll have sex with you without a condom. You give them 50,000 cities, they'll do it. Now, students, so we as a church, we are helping the nation. Uh, since you left uh, this America, uh, this in, um, um, how do we call it? Uh, this in um, uh, Ministry of Health, it seems you are no more contributing, contributing to the nation's encouragement. No, I am contributing. I'm contributing. <laughs> I'm contributing. <laughs> I'm contributing. I'm contributing. I'm pre- have I not showed? I told, I'm contributing. We are preventing corruption in our own way. One day, maybe one of our church members will become a president or become minister of finance or minister or deputy minister of finance for that matter. I don't know any, but I've heard of judges. You can give a television and he will change the judgment. Give him a TV. Give him a radio. Give him something. He'll just write a new one for you. I don't know any such. I've never seen any. Or I've, never, I've never heard. But I've heard of. 
But if they're Christian judges and you give them a television, he will know how to respond properly to the t- television. <laughs> or any other such gift. Can I have an amen? Are you listening to me? Hey, let's, let's be honest. Let's face it. So the church, there are Christians in the church, not unbelievers, but Christians who feel that the church should be doing other things. And I'm just trying to help you understand that the work of the church is to preach the word. Jesus went about preaching the word, teaching the gospel, and healing the sick. This is the work of the, of, of the church. This is the work of God. So renew your mind. That's why God wants to restore your soul. Some of you think, but pastor shouldn't drive a nice car. You come to, why does the pastor have a, this is a very, this is a very expensive car. Most of the members are just walking around. (laughs) You need your mind to be renewed. You need your mind to be renewed to understand the work of God. The fact that we are pastors does not mean that we are supposed to to be poor. I'm not poor. And I don't intend to be poor. And I have not taken a vow of poverty. And I, I know there are people who have taken vows of poverty. And I really respect them. You know, it's not easy to take a vow of poverty. Anybody who has taken a vow of poverty, when you see anybody who has taken a vow, salute him and shake his hand and say, Brother, I really respect you for your activities. I really respect you. I really honor you. It's a very noble and honorable thing. I don't have the grace for such a noble vow. I have not seen it in the Bible. That I need. Just as some people have taken vows not to get married. I was once sitting by a, a man who had decided not to get married through his religious, and I was asking, we were both traveling, we were both coming back home, you know, and as I sat by him, I, I said to him, so Reverend, as you go back home now, it was evening, we were flying, as you go back home now, you are just going home. He said, yeah. I said, there's nobody in the house. I said, yeah just your fridge and your chairs and so on. Really? So I asked him, what is it like to be not married? I will never forget his answer. He turned to me and said, it's hard. It's hard. When he said that, I felt, oh God, oh God, what a hard thing. And I thank God for my warm, juicy wife who was waiting for me (laughs) back home. I I could not imagine taking such a vow but I don't see such a thing that I have to do in in the word of God so I'm saying that we come to Christ with all sorts of ideas and you need to renew your mind I'm telling you, some of you criticize you criticize me you criticize me I'm your pastor, you criticize me you are lucky that Christ forgave. That's why I'm forgiving you. <laughs> you criticize me. I preach to you. I pray for you. You criticize me. That is my pay. Is it nice? Ask the person, is it, is it nice? What you are doing nice? But that is, and as you grow, and as we keep teaching and preaching, you realize that it's not good to criticize. Not that it's not good, but you curse yourself. 
You touch the anointing of the Lord. You learn about, you read in the Bible, you say, touch not the Lord's anointed. Don't get involved. David did not stretch out his hand with his sword to attack Saul. Even though he thought Saul was demon-possessed. Even though Saul was killing pastors. Saul actually killed a whole lot of pastors. I don't know any pastor who has killed pastors. Saul actually killed pastors. His last day on earth, he spent it in the witch's house. This is the man that David said, I'm not going to touch him. I'll leave him to God. If God wants to extract him, God will take him out. If God wants to leave him, God will leave him. I don't have anything to do with it. As you grow, you will learn and you will learn to keep your mouth shut. As you don't, the Bible says, I do not exercise myself in things too high. You see men of God. Everybody has some comment to make. Especially you, those of you who watch on television. You just watch it and you'll be analyzing and discussing in the house. Be careful. Grow up. Grow up. Don't get involved. I remember some years ago, I was sitting in the congregation and uh, the pastor had taken an offering. Then, he decided to take another offering. And I was sitting, I think on about the third row. When he decided he was going to take another offering, I turned to the person next to him and said, you know how it is sometimes you, you say something, <laughs> so I turned to the lady sitting next to me and I said, <laughs> Memoring. Memoring. And I said, why? Another offering. That was me some years ago. But the, the sister who was by me, she had been a Christian for a long time. And she was mature. So when I turned to her and I started, she just looked at me. I thought I was some strange animal that was trying to manifest in the church. And immediately my heart smote me and I, I felt there was something very wrong. Immediately after the service, I waited and waited until the pastor was free. Then I went to him and I said, Pastor, I have something I want to tell you. He said, what is it? I called him out to the back, outside, to the side of the church. He said, what is it? I said, when you announced that you were going to take a second offering, I, I spoke against you and I'm sorry. He, he stood back. You know, pastors are not used to people coming. You, you don't come and say such things to me. So he stood back and he was surprised. And he said, and he put his hand on me and he said, God is going to use you. This is more than 20 years ago. He put his hand and said, God is going to use you. That's all he said. Keep my heart free. I learned and I keep growing. Every day. After church this uh, morning, some of you may have to be coming to see the pastor to be informing him about <laughs> certain things. <laughs> well, we won't go home. There'll be a long queue. Don't worry. Don't bother. Amen. But you see, you grow, and God wants you to grow. Amen. So He restoreth my soul amen let's get back to psalm 23 how many are going to allow god to restore your soul and that's why you need to get tapes amen get the books and renew your mind it takes a long time for us to learn anything oh how difficult it is for us to learn especially when we are when we get older you know it seems it's more difficult to learn that's why you find younger people are able to learn things better 
There are certain jobs when you apply, they will ask you, how old are you? If you are, not beyond, if you are beyond a certain age, they will say, you know, uh, there's no availability. All right, verse 3. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. Oh, this is the Lord who's saying, I shall not want. He's leading you where? Where is he leading? To, 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 to Toronto? To, to the path of righteousness. To a way of righteousness. God wants his Christians to be righteous. And he wants to lead them in a way of doing the right thing. Which is what it means to be righteous. To do the right thing. To be righteous. To be good. So God, look, most, many of us, we are charismatic. We shout in tongues. We pray, etc. But we are not living righteous lives. And I can tell you that as you walk on the road of righteousness, God will bring you to abundance. How many times as an employer, I have watched people behaving. I've seen them behave, how they behave under stress. I've seen them how they behave when there's extra work. I've seen them how they behave when things are not good, things are good. I've seen them how they behave when they are not paid. I've seen them how they, are paid, how they behave when they are paid little. All those things show a certain attitude and even invite you, it, it makes you invite yourself to be, to be taken higher and to be blessed. And you realize that the more people flow in righteousness, the more opportunities God opens for them. Look, if I was a businessman, I'm not a businessman, but if I was a businessman, you know, I would not be looking for MBAs and PhDs. I would be looking for honest people. I think that even, even in our government, if we had even just honest people, just honest, you know, it would make a lot of difference. Even without this financial, you know when they say this GDP, and I don't understand it. I don't know if you do, but I don't. But if we just had people who didn't steal, I think we would be far ahead of where we are today. And I have come to learn, even as I employ people in our church, I am realizing more and more. It's not what a person learned in school. Oh, there's more. It's the person's attitude, his, 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 his commitment, his honesty, his Christian virtues, discipline, hard work. These are the things that count. Not whatever you learn in school. I didn't learn ministry in school. I learned medicine. But I'm successfully pastoring a church and preaching and overseeing churches. Amen. So if I was a businessman, I would look for honest people. Oh, yeah. If I can get one dedicated honor, I know that he, if I tear my head, it's not going to take anything. I would like to work with such a person. God is looking to lead us in a path of righteousness, goodness, holiness, righteousness. And as he takes us on this path, we save ourselves from so many disasters. Look, do you know why you're going to die one day? You're going to die because of sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Sin makes people die. Sin brings death. That's why we, that's why we all have to die. Because we, we have all sinned. And even though Christ has saved us, he's not saved our bodies. He's not affected, it's not affected our physical body. That's why when you were saved, if you were black, you are still black. If your hair was long the day before you got born again, your hair is still long after. If you wore glasses the day before, you still wear glasses the day after. If you are fat, you are still fat. If you are skinny, you are still skinny. 
Because even though you are born again, your body is the same. It's just exactly the same. And so God is trying to lead us into a path of righteousness so that we'll be saved from the consequences of sin. Anytime Jesus was going to heal people, people would ask, who, 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 who sinned? Is it his father or himself? You see, they were so conscious of the reality that sin brings sickness. Sin kills us. People are going to die early because of sin. Some of us will go to our graves earlier because of sin. Sin makes us die. And God is trying to give you an abundance of everything, including a good life. And so that's why he straight away takes you on a path of pride. Because he knows that a path of sin will end your life before you think it will end. The Bible says, when you are tempted, it is not from God. When the temptation is finished, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Death. The Bible says the wages, the payment for sin is death. If you read Genesis chapter 5, you see how long the people lived. They lived for years, long years. This one lived for 900 years. This one lived for 800. Have you ever asked yourself, why don't we live so long anymore? Let's, let's look at Genesis chapter 5. You'll be surprised at how long, how their birthdays were so extended. Read with me, Genesis chapter 5. And um, verse, uh, let's take it from verse 9. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years. And all the days of Enos were 905 years. And he died. This man had a baby when he was 90 years old. He was doing his outdooring when he was 90 years old. When Enos was having his birthday, people were asked, how old are you now? So I'm just 400 old. I'm having my 440 birthday. 440. I'm having my 100th birthday. 500. I'm, I'm 500 years old. Everybody is invited to my 500 year birthday party at Jowulu. Enos lived long. All the guys we are going to read about, they all live long. But you and I, if you see somebody who is even 70, you say, Obamode. When you see a person who is 70, this man, 90 that he before he had his outdoor. In those days, when you were 50, you were still a teenager. It's these days that when you are 50, it looks like you are old. But in those days, when you are 50, if you have a baby at 50, it's teenage pregnancy. <laughs> it's teenage pregnancy. Because we don't, we don't give birth at the age of 50. 50 is early. Look at verse 12. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalil. And Canaan lived after he had his baby 840 years. Verse 40. All the days of Canaan were 910 years. He died when he was 900 years. Why? Read on, read on. All these fellows, verse 25. And Methuselah, he lived 887 years and he begat Lamech. Huh? Am I reading right? 
he lived 187 years and he still had, he did not need Viagra. He just had a baby, 187 years old. Easy baby. And he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 969. Look at Lamech, verse 28. And Lamech lived 182 years and then he had a baby. 182. Some of you are 22, you are trying to have babies. All right. But notice chapter 6. Here comes the explanation. And it came to pass that when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, verse 2, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and took them wives of all which they chose. And verse 3, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that also he is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty Verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every imagination was, of theirs was evil continually. God saw the wickedness and he shortened everything to 120. And Ghana, the life expectancy is 58, 57. Imagine that. Why? Because of sin. Let me read some of the scriptures to you. In 1 Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says, so Saul died for his transgression. Don't bother to read. Just make a note of it if you want to, or get the tape. Listen to it. So Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. Saul died because of his transgression. Proverbs 11 verse 19. It says, as righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death if you pursue evil you are going to pursue it to your own death that's why god wants to lead you on a path of righteousness another scripture ezekiel verse 18 chapter 18 verse 4 it says behold all souls are mine as the soul of the father so is the soul of the son is mine the soul that sinneth it shall die that's why people die Sometimes, you know, when Papa Hagen preaches, sometimes I, I, I sometimes wonder, I feel, yeah, what is this man saying? Because he, he often speaks about death. He, he, he would tell you, he, he, when he speaks his talk, because he's 80 something, he's seen a lot of pastors and a lot of things, and he would say, this one will die at this time, this one died, this one died, and you keep pointing and saying that this person is going to die, or this person died, because the Lord said the person had to die. Recently, he was saying there were some pastors who were dying, and God said, you can't change it, they're going to die, they have to die. You can't, you can't pray about it. You can't change it. Because God is trying to give us long life by leading us on a path of righteousness. Romans 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And Romans 6 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want to live and not die. Don't follow somebody who is stealing. People who steal money often don't live to enjoy all that they stole. Look at the heads of state. I mean, when, when Abacha died, you hear the millions and billions. I mean, did he use it? Would he ever have used it? I mean, I'm sure most of us here, if I give you a million dollars, I don't think you can use it in, for the rest of your life. 
Don't, even though it seems that you got away and you are getting away with bad things and no one is seeing you, don't be excited about it. You see, the one who repays you, who sees all things, is not man. It has nothing to do with a man. It has everything to do with God. Don't think about man. Don't think about your pastor. I don't want the pastor to know. I don't want the pastor to see. I don't want, I don't want anyone to know. I don't want anyone to see. I don't want them to know. I don't want... That's, don't worry about people. I am concerned. You see, for me, I've always been... I was reading a book. I've always been concerned more about what God thinks than what people think. That's why I'm pastoring this church. I'm in Collegono pastoring a church. I've been called all kinds of names by all kinds of people. But I'm still here pastoring because I'm more concerned about what God thinks than what people are saying. Don't be concerned about what people think or say or whether they see or not. Become a person who is concerned about what God thinks and whether he sees. That's why I don't want to attack anybody's church. Because God sees me attacking his church. Because all churches, whatever the name on, one is a, once it has the name of Christ, it's a church. Everybody is doing well. Everybody is trying. Everybody is doing something. Everybody is contributing. That's why I wouldn't want to attack somebody else who is also doing his best. But sometimes we attack one another. And God sees. And God rewards you. Privately or secretly. I want to follow the path of righteousness. How many are going to follow the path of righteousness? Tell the person next to you, stop all those bad things from today. And God will bless you. Hallelujah. Can you imagine if we had politicians listening to what I'm saying and practicing what I'm saying? Practicing what I'm saying. Don't you think Ghana will be a better place? If we had such people as ministry of... Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if we had such people in all the important places, Ghana would be different. Ghana would be different. People are concerned... Not about whether somebody says, when a contract is 10 million and you inflate it to 16 million dollars. And the 6 million is for something private. Or something is 60 million, you make it 25 million dollars. And the 9 million dollars is private money. That would, have, that would have made all the roads to our houses. How many want a road to your house? Until they come and do my road in my house, I will say it on the television every day. But I see a blessing coming into your life. Father, thank you for your great blessing for your people as we enter, as we come to the, to, to the path of righteousness. Our homes, our lives, our blessing will be different because of the path of righteousness. It's a path of blessing. It's a path of healing. It's a path of long life. We receive it and we walk in it Jesus. in the name of Jesus. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every week. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.
ABC Tonight. My name is Daniel Garcia. I worked at my family's bakery. My life used to be pretty normal until I met Noah Hamilton. That's when everything changed. My brother and the most famous woman in the world. Sometimes two unlikely ingredients. There's a thing about him. Make the most amazing combination. I just want to make sure you know what you're signing up for. I know that my life can get pretty crazy. I think I could do a little crazy. The Baker and the Beauty series premiere tonight, 10, 9 central on ABC. ABC Tonight. My name is Daniel Garcia. I worked at my family's bakery. My life used to be pretty normal until I met Noah Hamilton. That's when everything changed. My brother and the most famous woman in the world. Sometimes two unlikely ingredients. There's a thing about him. Make the most amazing combination. I just want to make sure you know what you're signing up for. I know that my life can get pretty crazy. I think I could do a little crazy. The Baker and the Beauty series premiere tonight, 10, 9 central on ABC.